0: Welcome back to the IPM on the Fly podcast, where we talk to experts about a wide variety of topics in integrated pest management. This series is brought to you from the University of Georgia Extension IPM program with funding from the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Thanks for tuning in. We're your hosts, Emily and Michelle. In this episode, Michelle and I sat down and talked all about ticks with Dr. Nancy Hinkle, who is a professor in the entomology department here at UGA and serves as the Extension Veterinary Entomologist for the state of Georgia. So, if you're a warm blooded creature, this episode will be a great resource for you. We hope you learn as much as we did. How long have you been at the University of Georgia? This month is my twentieth anniversary. Wow! Congratulations. Quite a feat. Thank you. And tell us a little bit about what you do in your role for extension.
1: I'm particularly interested in insects and their multi-legged relatives that impinge on animals. I care about the animals, not the people, so much. But I work with the blood suckers: fleas, ticks, lice, mites, mosquitoes, biting flies, etc.
0: Well. This summer was the summer of ticks. Can we call it the summer of ticks?
2: I mean, I saw a headline where it was called the tick time bomb summer. You can call it whatever you want to. (laughs) Frankly, I'm not hearing any more tick
1: calls than I usually get.
0: But what are all these sensational headlines
1: referring to? People love stories about bloodsuckers. But here in Georgia, we're surrounded by ticks all the time. There's not a time you don't have to worry about ticks in Georgia. So I I don't really see a difference.
0: So there's not an increased number of ticks this year. It's just catching more attention attention. from the media. Yeah. Well, and there have been a couple of odd things maybe that caught the attention to begin with, this bobcat fever. Can you talk a little bit about what's bobcat fever?
1: We have to remember that ticks transmit pathogens that affect humans and animals. Bobcat fever is actually transmitted by a tick. And so any time these ticks get on a dog or cat, there's a potential for transmission of a disease there as well. Now, bobcat fever is a pathogen that's found normally in bobcats and other large feline animals, wildlife. But when it is transmitted to a domestic cat, The domestic cat can't handle it, and they will typically get extremely ill, and 70% of them will die. There is no official treatment for them, so usually even with treatment, over half of them are going to die.
0: Is that true for cats that have been treated with flea and tick medicine? That's something we recommend. If you're going to
1: have an animal that goes outside, a cat that goes outside, treat it with something that will prevent ticks. And treat it with something that works. You can go on to the Internet and find all sorts of claims about treatments for ticks. But just because somebody says it on the Internet doesn't make it true. Mm -hmm. And sure, if you're just doing it for normal ticks, just because you're aggravated with ticks, that's one thing. But if you're talking about disease transmission, something that can kill the animal that you claim to love, let's use something that works.
2: So I did go online and saw where there are natural oils that supposedly repelled ticks, such so as garlic oil and um, other ones. So you're saying those really aren't that effective?
1: They're not effective. We assume that ticks smell the way we do. No. They don't care if you smell like garlic. They don't care what you smell like. As long as you've got warm blood, they're happy. What if we ate a bunch of garlic? Ticks wouldn't care the least bit.
2: So do they prefer certain humans over other humans?
1: They can detect different levels of lactic acid and carbon dioxide. So those of us who tend to breathe heavily and expire a lot of carbon dioxide are very attractive to ticks.
2: Hmm. Because I did read one article. I read an article that said they prefer type um, A blood type A. Yeah.
1: There has been a study that showed
2: that that's true. Yes. And nobody knows why. And their least favorite is type B. I'm type
0: B. I've seen pictures of you feeding fleas. Do you feed ticks sometimes?
1: I I do not deliberately feed ticks, no.
0: Okay. I'm A positive, and I get bit by everything under the sun. And I think that I'm invited outdoors (laughs) with friends. (laughs) You're the decoy. Yeah. Yeah. Send me first. I'm the sacrificial friend.
2: Well, I'm O, so I'll invite you. Because I'm the second favorite.
0: I'm not going anywhere with either of you. (laughs) So what types of ticks do we have in Georgia?
1: Primarily, we have four species that are likely to turn up on humans. Now remember, there are ticks that are preferring wildlife, and we'll probably never find them getting attached to us. But the most common tick, of course, is the Lone Star Tick. This is the one, if you get a tick on you, 90% of the time it's going to be the Lone Star Tick. This throughout the southeastern United States is the most common tick. The second most common is the American Dog Tick. Now, just because it's named Dog Tick doesn't mean that it will only get on dogs. This, again, is the second most commonly found tick on humans. And then the Gulf Coast Tick is another tick that shows up on humans much less frequently than the Lone Star Tick and the American Dog Tick. And then the fourth tick that we do find on humans occasionally is the Black Legged Tick, also known as the Deer Tick. Mm -hmm. We don't really consider the Deer Tick a major pest here in Georgia. For one thing, it's found only in the winter months here in the southeast. We don't really worry too much about Lyme disease here in the south because we really only have three or four months of exposure. Fortunately, these are the three or four months when you're most likely to be wearing long pants, long sleeve shirts. And then, secondly, it's just an unusual tick to find here. It was the least found tick on humans in Georgia. So, it's really not a major pest of humans or,
0: frankly, of pets either. Interesting. Okay. So, the Lone Star tick is a problem for both humans and animals. Correct. So cattle, dogs, cats, everything. Everything, yes. Okay. And I'm guessing this is the tick that has the one spot on the back. Exactly. Male and female? Only the female. Okay. So are the males a problem? Or is the female the only one biting?
1: Both of them can, but the female certainly feeds more and would be more of a risk for us.
0: Okay. So if I got bit by Lone Star tick... What is like the equivalent of a stop, drop, and roll?
1: There's no reason to get a a special device to remove it. Just pull the tick off. What if the head gets stuck? Don't worry about it. Oh, really? Yes. It's no worse than getting a thorn stuck in your skin. Your body will get rid of it. Bodies are perfectly capable of eliminating it. There's nothing magical about the head of a tick. There's a lot of bad information on
2: the Internet.
0: No kidding! (laughs) No kidding! I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you. I am too. (laughs) So Lone Star Tick, this is the one that's associated with that really weird red meat allergy. What in the world is that? And how, how do you know you've got it other than the time that you're going into anaphylactic shock after you've had a burger?
1: Fortunately, it does seem to come on a little more gradually than that. And it is weird. It truly is. And it's still so new that there's not a lot known about it, but it is a valid medical condition. You can be tested for it. And one of our most famous entomologists actually suffers from this condition, so he can no longer eat red meat. There's a sugar that is transmitted in the saliva of the lone star tick. So once you are bitten by a lone star tick, your body reacts to that sugar molecule. Well, it turns out this sugar molecule is also found in all-mammal meat. And so the next time you eat mammalian meat, beef, pork, even rabbit, anything that's a mammal, potentially your body is going to react to it. And over time, it reacts more and more. And eventually, you will notice you'll wake up three to six hours after having had red meat in a meal, and you'll be nauseous. You may be experiencing diarrhea and vomiting, and you'll just feel lousy. And you may develop a rash over your entire body, which itches a lot, apparently. I've never experienced it, but the stories are impressive. And this is an allergic reaction. And as you say, it can progress to anaphylaxis and can be lethal. And so far, the only way to treat it is to abstain from mammalian meat. So no more beef, no more pork. you got to eat poultry. But you can also eat things like turtles and snakes and insects, You
0: could technically eat those things. (laughs) Okay, if we find a tick on us, maybe we know what it is, maybe we don't. But we pull it out. What are our next steps? Do we need to save it in a bag and send
1: it to you? I would recommend that at least you save it, just in case you come down with weird symptoms in the next month. So take it, put it in a Ziploc bag, and write the date on it. Put it in your refrigerator. Don't put it in the freezer. Put it in the refrigerator. And then in the uncommon case that you might actually come down with a tick-borne disease, it can then be tested and you can get an indication of how you acquired the infection.
0: Okay, so we wouldn't put it in a vial with alcohol and kill it?
1: Not necessarily. Not if you're concerned about disease transmission. Now, if you're just sending it to me for identification, sure, that's fine.
0: Oh, okay. All right, so it needs to be alive if we feel like... There's a possibility of getting this red meat allergy. You can't determine that if the tick is dead. You can't determine the red meat allergy from the tick at all. It really is,
1: in time, temporally displaced. You get fed on by the tick, and then it may be months later when you start developing the red meat allergy.
2: So you're saying, keep a live tick in my refrigerator.
1: (laughs) But it's in a Ziploc bag. It's not going anywhere.
0: Yeah. But if you were to categorize where it belongs in the refrigerator. It would be Mm. in the meat Meat shelf. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Back to the diseases transmitted by ticks. The vast majority of them have symptoms that mimic the flu. So if after a tick exposure within, say, two or three weeks, you develop symptoms such as fever, body aches, joint aches, headache, just typical flu symptoms, this is a time to check with your physician and mention that you did have a tick feeding on you. And since you have that tick in the refrigerator in that little plastic bag, you can take it to your doctor and have it checked. The doctor should be made aware, though, that you have been exposed to a tick.
0: So what is the protocol for protecting ourselves and our pets and our livestock? That's all different. Uh, There are options
1: for humans that are not available for animals, and there are options for animals that are not available for humans. There are products that are quite effective in protecting dogs from ticks these days, Generally, I do not recommend flea collars. Collars, oh. frankly, are pretty worthless for controlling fleas. So, the okay, I use the flea collar.
0: I'm not on me. <laughs> 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 My dog uses the flea collar. <laughs> I'm just setting the record straight.
2: Emily does not use the flea collars.
1: The two collars that are effective for tick control on dogs are the Preventic collar and the other one is the Soresto collar. They have different active ingredients, but both of them are quite effective. The Soresto collar claims eight months of tick control with one collar, and in my personal experience, it lives up to its claims. The Preventic collar, likewise, offers several months of tick control. They may seem expensive, but when you prorate the price over eight months, you're getting a bargain. So these are products that we recommend. Two other products, Fipronil, which of course is a topically applied product, is also effective. It comes with the brand name Frontline. That is also effective against ticks. And the new product, Revecto, also is effective at controlling ticks on dogs.
0: Do all of these also double as preventatives for fleas? No, and that's an excellent point. Fleas, of course, are insects.
1: Ticks are eight-legged arthropods, and they have very different physiologies. So just because something controls fleas doesn't indicate that it has any effect on ticks Mm -hmm. and vice versa. So if you're getting a control for ticks, make sure it's effective against ticks. And if you're doing fleas, of course, there are different products.
0: What about... So like the Ceresto collar is common and seems popularly recommended. And it says flea and tick. You're saying it is effective for ticks. Is it not so effective for fleas? It may
1: be effective against fleas, but there may be products that are more effective against oh, gotcha. fleas. If you look at the listing of active ingredients, they'll almost always have two ingredients. One is to kill the fleas. One is to kill the ticks. And so it's important to make sure that they are really do what they claim and not every product does. What about
0: ourselves? Yes, humans. I know you wanted to answer, I know you care more about the pets, I get that.
2: Okay. But that's a professional entomologist. How do you protect yourself? Okay, You're the one that's bringing home the bacon for your dog, so
1: we need to take care of you as well. Yes, fortunately there are products that are very effective against ticks that can be used on humans. DEET actually will repel ticks. So you use DEET on your skin. But for your clothing and your boots, I would highly recommend these products that contain the active ingredient permethrin. There are several brand names. If you go to the hiking and camping store, they'll be able to show you these products. Just look at the active ingredient and see that it says permethrin. Again, these are to be used only on clothing, not on skin. So what I tell the hunters is, okay, on... Friday night, get out your hunting clothes. Take your pants and your socks and your boots, put them on a layer of newspaper. Take the product, spray them down your clothing. You really, on your pants leg, probably only need it up to about your knees, but if you're feeling generous, go ahead and spray the whole pants leg. And that will prevent ticks from climbing up and remaining on you, and not only does it repel ticks, but it also will kill the ones that persist in staying on the treated surface. This is the same product that's used in official military, U.S. military uniforms, and they claim that you can get dozens of washings with one treatment. I think on these commercial products that you get for hunters and so on, it's only for six or eight washes, so read the label and see how many claims they
0: claim, Speaking of clothing, I saw where you tuck your pants into your socks and you wear long sleeves, and that that's one of the best ways to keep ticks off of us.
1: That's correct. One point we haven't made is that ticks are always near the ground. Now, I'm sure the majority of our listening audience thinks that ticks fall out of trees. Everybody right. knows that, except it's not true. <laughs> Ticks are never found in trees. They never fall out of trees. Ticks, interestingly, are very susceptible to desiccation. So they have to stay near the earth where they can pick up moisture from the ground. So they hardly ever get more than ankle high. They'll climb up on a blade of grass They'll hold out their front legs with their little hooks extended, and they'll wait for you to walk by with your fuzzy socks, and they will and they will latch on to your fuzzy socks with their little talons, with their little claws on their front paws.
0: That's horrifying. They're just laying, they're just out there, like in the wind, waiting for us to walk by.
1: That's exactly the way it is, yes. And when they get on you, they, we haven't used a technical term yet today, so let's use this one negatively geotropic. That means that they crawl up. They crawl away from the pull of gravity. So they almost always end up somewhere high, like at the nape of your neck or where your underwear is constricted against your body. That's why we find ticks higher on the body. But they've actually been crawling up on your body. They didn't fall out of a tree and land in your hair. They crawl to get up there. That gets back to why we were using those repellents and the materials on our clothing to kill the ticks
0: before they can get that high. So how do we control ticks in our yards?
1: The best way is to make your yard uncomfortable for them. And the best way to do that is to mow your grass short and cut back the shrubbery. You want lots of sun exposure and a lot of moving air. So the drying conditions are exactly what you want to have and what ticks don't want to have. Now most people think that we can get out there and we can just hose down the yard with an insecticide. Unfortunately, that doesn't really do much against the ticks. Ticks are pretty good about hiding in leaf litter and hiding under things, so they're not gonna be exposed to the insecticide. On the other hand, all of those predators out there, the things that are eating ticks, they're going to be killed by the insecticide. So, frankly, using insecticides is the last thing we want to do when we're trying to control ticks. All right.
0: So, keeping our yard nice and trim. Correct. And we keep our neighbors happy. Correct.
2: I think we should also encourage possums. Correct. (laughs) Guineas. If the HOA allows them. Fortunately, both
1: possums and guineas do eat ticks. I don't know if they eat enough to satisfy most people who want to get rid of ticks, but I guess it can't hurt.
2: So is there, in all of your studies all these years, is there any redeeming qualities about a tick? Like why are they here? I mean, I don't see them even pretty in pictures. You know, you can see some insects that you don't like, but then you'll blow up a picture and you're like, oh, they're beautiful. I have not seen a beautiful tick yet. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. (laughs) And being a biologist, I have to contend that Everything has its role to play in the great scheme of things. But most people don't like ticks. Even people who work on ticks don't want ticks sucking their blood, yes.
0: That was a very diplomatic question. I didn't hear an answer. I feel like we went around the question.
1: Well, we (laughs) medical entomologists consider ticks as job security. Okay,
0: good enough.
2: Well, I do know that Georgia Southern has the U.S. National Tick Collection. So somebody thought it was important enough to actually collect them, put them on display, and there are, what, about 850 species collected for us to consider.
1: Yes, the uh, Georgia Southern Collection is certainly known as the world's center of the repository for ticks, yes. And a lot of excellent research goes on at Georgia Southern regarding ticks.
2: But not all ticks carry disease.
1: We don't really know. It's quite possible that they do, but we haven't had 850 people who are willing to take a tick and spend that much time figuring out what's in its guts. So, yeah, We're only really interested in the ones that affect us humans.
0: We're very self-centered. Yes. So if we have a really cold winter, will it reduce the populations? Probably not
1: ticks have been here much longer than we humans have and they've found ways to get around bad weather so even though we may contend that there are fewer ticks in a given year that may not necessarily be reflected in reality ticks can manage in most conditions and it really doesn't get that cold in georgia so pretty much any warm day during the winter there are ticks out there inactive as i said. The black-legged tick, the deer tick, is active only in the winter in Georgia. And the lone star tick has probably a nine- or ten-month activity period in Georgia, so you can find them in February, and they're certainly still active at Christmas.
0: What about the American dog tick and the Gulf Coast tick? What kinds of things do they carry? They also can carry several pathogens. These include the
1: ehrlichiosis, the babesiosis, the anaplasmosis, and several viral diseases. So there are lots of disease agents out there that can be carried by ticks. We don't really hear that much about the Gulf Coast tick because it's so rare. We really don't run into it that often. Although its distribution is expanding, the range is now expanding, and it's showing up in the Midwest. So it's no longer the Gulf Coast tick. How long does a tick live? Ooh, Under good conditions, it can live at least a year.
0: And it's true, it needs a blood meal to lay its eggs.
1: That's correct. Ticks are exclusively hematophagous. They feed only on blood. So every stage has to have a blood meal. When the little larva hatches from the egg, it has to have a blood meal.
0: Mm.
1: Once it's had a blood meal, it then molts to the nymphal stage. The nymph then has to find a host and take another blood meal. Once it's fed... It then molts and converts into the adult tick. Then the adult tick must feed in order to mate and lay eggs. So it's got to have at least three blood meals during its lifetime. And how many eggs can a female lay? It depends on the species, but every tick can lay at least 2,000 eggs, some of them up to 6,000 eggs. That's what it's doing with all that blood that it sucked out of you or your dog.
0: And then it's going to come back for more.
1: Actually, it only takes one blood meal as an adult, and then it converts all those nutrients into eggs. We call them tick caviar.
2: Ew. So, you know, Dr. Hinkle, there is a romantic song, and the name of it is Ticks. I'm not familiar with that one.
0: It's a country song. (laughs) We'll look that up.
2: I think it hit number one a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Checking you for ticks. There you
1: go. Yes. I've heard that one,
0: yes. Isn't it is very sweet? romantic. It is, yeah.
2: Who knew? You could make a romantic song out of ticks.
0: Ticks could be the reason a couple yes. is married out there and living a happy, thriving life.
2: So there is something positive about so ticks. So there it is. We found it.
0: The redeeming quality. Your work is complete. Work is, well, we're done here. <laughs> all right, in all seriousness, you're an entomologist if you could pick a calendar month and an insect or an arthropod to be covered in for a calendar photo what insect and month would you be this is a serious question
1: deserving of consideration yes oh she's got a lot of choices yeah there are 15 million insect species
0: out there. This is going to take a while. You could do a couple. Yeah, Yeah, you could do a variety. Maybe pick the month. There's only 12 of those. That's true. That went limited. Um, May. Okay. And your insect? How
1: about all the hematophagous arthropods? So I could have ticks and fleas and lice and mites and mosquitoes. And get the picture, and then I'd knock them all off so they're not sucking my blood, right?
0: The only way that you could be Miss May with all of that is that if we put, like, fangs on your teeth. Yes. And had, like, a little bit of, like, fake mm-hmm. blood dribble on your chin.
1: So I could be the vampire mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yes, yes.
0: We might just make this happen. Yeah. Oh, dear. You didn't know you were signing up
1: for it. No. We tricked you. <laughs> Uh, That's probably a question that should be thought about longer than you gave me.
0: (laughs) All right. Are there any last messages you want to give us before we break?
1: Ticks are not something you want feeding on you or your dog. So keep them off, and if they get on, pull them off quickly. We highly recommend daily tick checks for you, your children, and your pets. Even if you don't think they've gone into a ticky area, still check them for ticks because our ticks in Georgia are wily. They will (laughs) get on you when you're not expecting them. And a tick check only takes a couple of minutes, right before the shower, run your hand up and down your body, around your uh, hairline particularly, underarms, any cracks and crevices, behind the knees, places where you don't necessarily look but check for ticks. Fortunately, most disease organisms require a blood meal of about probably 12 to 24 hours. So if you can get the tick off in less than 24 hours, you vastly decrease the chance of picking up a pathogen. One other thing to mention is that the old wives' tale of how to get a tick loose usually includes something like smothering it. Don't smother the tick. It won't make the tick detach for one thing. And secondly, it makes the tick angry. And the last thing you want is an angry tick because it's going to tend to regurgitate and regurgitate all of those disgusting pathogens into your bloodstream. Same thing with a hot match. Don't touch a hot match to the back end of a tick. It makes the tick angry. The angry tick throws up into your bloodstream and maximizes your chance of getting infected with a pathogen.
0: All right. Fun talk about ticks. Thanks for listening to today's episode about ticks with Dr. Hinkle. We did hear from her that the Asian longhorn tick was first detected Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021 in Georgia. So we've invited Dr. Hinkle to come back really quick. Give us an update on this newly identified tick species in Georgia. So sit tight for just a couple minutes more. You won't want to miss this breaking news. Welcome back, Dr. Hinkle. Thank you. So can you tell us where is this tick and what is the scientific name? All the important things that maybe we all are itching to find out. The scientific name is Hemophysalis
1: longicornis. The common name is the Asian longhorn tick, and you're going to be hearing a lot about this tick in the future, unfortunately. It's already been in Tennessee and North Carolina for the last two years. So we've been looking for it in Georgia. And only last week, the Georgia Department of Agriculture confirmed that yes, indeed, it is present in Georgia. It was found on a cattle operation in Pickens County. It's likely that it is already in other parts of the state. but We haven't yet confirmed that. We don't like this tick for many reasons. It does really like cattle. It can be very detrimental to cattle. It can transmit various disease pathogens. So it's going to be a problem here in Georgia. One thing I really don't like about this tick is that it is parthenogenetic. Parthenogenetic means that there are only females. They do not have to mate, which is good because there are no males with which to mate and that each Female, therefore, can produce over 2,000 eggs, each of which is a female, which can then in succession produce another 2,000 eggs, all of which are females, which can then produce 2,000 female (laughs) eggs as well. So Mm. the populations can build very rapidly. And that's one aspect about this tick that we're going to be noting, that when you see populations of this tick, you usually find hundreds or thousands of them.
2: So how do you control them? Has there been any success with that?
1: Unfortunately, we don't yet have a strategy for controlling it. It's probably going to be on a case-by-case basis and give up the idea of eradication. We will be stuck with this tick. So previously, Georgia could claim 22 species of ticks. As of today, we now have 23 species of ticks in Georgia.
2: So are there diseases that humans should worry about if we get this tick on us?
1: This tick can transmit several human diseases. It has not yet been confirmed to transmit these diseases in North
0: America. Okay, so is there anything we can do to prevent, slow the population growth? Anything we need to be looking for?
1: Unfortunately, this tick does very well on white-tailed deer and other wildlife as well. So even if we do a successful job of controlling them on cattle, there will always be a reservoir in the wildlife.
0: Okay, and where might we go online that can show us a nice picture for ID, um, other information that would be important to us?
1: Unfortunately, this tick looks pretty much like every other tick we have in Georgia, so we don't recommend site identification. You really need a very strong microscope to be successful in identifying this tick morphologically, so we do recommend that you submit it either to your veterinarian or to your local extension office for
0: confirmation so how was this tick identified what, what was the unusual thing that brought the attention to this tick i think it was the numbers on the animal yeah. okay yes. when you
1: see ticks on our cattle in georgia typically there's a half dozen at the most mm. fortunately unfortunately with this tick when you see this tick you usually see hundreds okay
0: mm. okay so that's a pretty good indication that that's what this is that makes us suspicious for sure yeah Okay, and do agents need to be reaching out directly to you?
1: We would appreciate extension personnel staying in contact with us, and if they have any suspicious ticks that they won't identify, yes, they can send them to us here in the Department of Entomology.
2: So we're going to get a lot of ticks coming into the office, what you're saying. Oh, thank you, Dr. Hinkle. (laughs) Sorry. One we ended. Tick. We
0: ended the podcast on a high note, laughing, giggling, and no, 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 there's no
2: males with this one. You know, wow, impressive. It is impressive. I mean, Females. thousands of babies.
0: No Females. Males.
2: The female society. Ladies taking over. Got ticks on the fly.
0: Ticks on the fly. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dr. Hinkle. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you learned a lot, laughed a little, and we hope to catch you on the fly real soon.